Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. God is the one who will lead us and guide us in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning. Hello. Welcome to Zero Today. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I live from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with Seeds of Wisdom, Insight, Empowerment, and Liberation. And we promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And as always, we invite you, the listener, to help us by uh, to empower you, knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. Y'all got excuse me. I'm half awake, half asleep. Long day. Long day. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. <laughs> Talk about it a little bit more, but again, we want to say good morning to you. Thank you. Welcome you to join us on Zero Today. Always welcome you to join us on this illuminating journey. Of course, the phone line is open, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get in live, and the chat room is open, so you can also join in the chat room. Love to hear your thoughts inside. That Since I'm finally getting it working after all of this time, so hey, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, so. The number, again, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get uh, thoughts, concerns, dialogue, where it may be on the air. Um, send us an email, pastorinsoneal at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Prophesy. Follow us on our Facebook page, uh, Zero Network. Um, wherever we are, we are there, and we want you to be there with us. Skype, email, all this technology. <laughs> but... Um, we're glad that you're joining us. We have an exciting show. Of course, we're talking about uh, post-election results um, and um, expectations accomplished, fallen short. We sh- uh, some people upset, some people excited. You know, we'll cover all of that as much. But the primary question we'll be asking is today is how does this affect the black church? So that's what we're going to be looking at. But before we do anything, we want to do as we always do: go to the Lord there, because we do realize that. Uh, um, this he enables all of this. Father, we thank you for another opportunity, another day you made, another opportunity to be on the, the air to share with these your people the wonderful insights of empowerment and liberation. You're blessed. We pray that you prosper the show uh, 
and be glorified as your people are edified. In thy name we pray. Amen. Well, I, I got to say, I I um I I, I, I want to extend my warmest uh, congratulations to our newly reelected president, uh, Mr. Barack Hussein Obama, and to his gorgeous first lady, Michelle, and his beautiful children. Uh, Sasha and Malia, I think that's right. I never gotten the other one's name right. I just know Sasha because it was easy to remember. But um, they are uh, once again celebrating uh, as president and first lady of the United States of America to the praise of many and the despisement of others. But nonetheless, they are celebrating. And we extend our congratulations. We also uh, want to extend um, thoughts and uh, congratulations to Mitt Romney for the campaign that he ran. Um, and you got to understand something. Here's here's the thing about campaign. It's not so much the candidates that promote themselves as much as it's the individuals who support the candidates that do all the promotion. Um, and you had zealots on both sides. And, and, and I tell you why I love political uh events and campaigns because it's not the candidates themselves who do all the you know they don't put forth all the rhetoric as much as they're those who are endorsing them supporting them you know the legions who fall in line with with you know their belief and the last two uh, the last three presidential elections uh from clinton bush and of course obama have been driven uh, largely by Grassroots um, uh, persons who um, who were looking for a change and looking to um, impact the political uh, environment, uh, political climate on the of the country, and and they did so because you think about it, uh, every last one of the last three elected presidents, elected and confirmed presidents of the United States, were all unexpected winners. Clinton in 1992. Was not an expected winner. Winner, you know, he was not a contender in the race for a long time. But again, during the caucuses, as he got more popular and the people began to relate with him, and for us black folk, when he went on Arsenio Hall and played that tenor saxophone, he won our vote. <laughs> and, and then he had the same thing with Bush. Uh, Bush was largely counted out, um, largely disregarded, and of course. After, you know, you guys remember 2000, you know, hanging chads and all of those things. But in 2004, uh, when he was actually elected, elected, um, you, you found a, 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 he had a great margin. And, of course, in 2007, 2008, when Obama was elected, um, he was, again, until the caucus in primary season, he was the underdog. He was not even uh, – he wasn't taken seriously until after he won Iowa. And still, you know, the contention that went forth during that primary season up until June when Hillary uh, Clinton conceded and he, he won the party's nomination, he was not expected. But when the election came around, of course, he did an overwhelming job of defeating John McCain. So, but the last three presidential elections have been something that have been very interesting, you know. And um, I, I, I just thought it was—I I thought I'd share that with you. Um, so, so you, you be aware. Uh, I had the privilege yesterday of working at a um, 
at a polling place, a polling precinct. I worked there, and I, uh, I was not a poll watcher. I was not working as a poll watcher. I was actually working as a poll official, and it was very enlightening to be able to see it on the other side. You know, I, as, as a voter, you hear about the complaints a lot of people had, and then there was a lot of fear, particularly here in the southern states where uh, voter ID was an issue and here in Mississippi, there was a lot of confusion, unnecessary confusion, uh, made by both uh, governor here and um, the Black Caucus uh, regarding voter ID. And, and so there, were, you know, a lot of people came. They were prepared to vote, and then there was some. There was some of those who were first-time voters, where they were required to show their ID, and you know they weren't aware of that. And of course, no voter gets turned away. Um, so that was that's the good thing, and um, I I really learned something. You know, uh, I, I learned two things working the polls. First thing I learned that it is hard freaking work. I mean, it. I wish I could say that working the poll, being a poll worker, was easy, but it was not easy by far. I mean, uh, it was very very challenging, more challenging than I suspected expected it to be. Largely because, um, you know, you have to you have to have a person you have to be a person of great integrity to work the polls, uh, because you're you're putting yourself in a position to be uh, somewhat very somewhat influential in a person's vote, and we we took great a great deal of uh, intention not to be. Uh, you know, show any type of uh, to be nonpartisan. I guess that's the best way to say it. Nonpartisan by making sure that we the voters understood what they were voting for. Now, the second thing was dealing with the people. Uh, uh, you know, I, the precinct that I I was working at was largely uh, it was predominantly black, and on the on the register it was about seven hundred persons, and I think we had about. Uh, Maybe uh, just on half of that actually come out um, and and cast a, a ballot, and um, you know it, we had to make sure there were people who were not there were people there who were not informed of the entirety of uh, the races that were going on and, and some some other things that were on the ballot, and they had been uh, they had been. Uh, thinking, and they had been only uh, condensed to thinking that it was just a presidential election, and so they weren't aware of everybody else that was on, you know, Senate races. And I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. But Senate race, um, we had Supreme Court race, we had uh, House of Representatives race here, we had some state uh, elections and local elections here, and a lot of people weren't even aware of that. So it was it was it was really it was really difficult dealing with them because you wanted them you know you try to say well we're, we're trying to explain to them that they needed to vote the entire ballot you know you want to make sure your vote counts every vote we're not talking about just you know the presidential election vote because the president is limited in his ability if if you don't select the right you know congressperson senator to go in there what you're going to have is basically uh, you know, chaos, 
you know, and 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 basically that's what it's going to be again for the next, at least for the next two years until the midterm election. It's going to be more controlled chaos, uh, uh, where President is still President Obama will still be in contention with uh, House uh, Republicans, and uh, well, the Senate is retained and controlled by Democrats, so. They may get more accomplished in the Senate than the House, but think about it now. In the past four years, we still have not had a budget passed. We have exceeded a, a trillion-dollar deficit each year, and nothing is being done to um, to bring that into uh, to ring that in. So um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things, and we want to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some other things, some other races, uh, 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 blacks who. Won during uh, the midterm elections in 2010 on the on the rise of the Tea Party movement and um, Mia Love, uh, who was seeking a Senate seat in um, in Utah, and and I don't know how this happened, but uh, Jesse Jackson Jr., who has been sick, not doing anything, <laughs> uh, gets reelected. By a landslide, uh, so oh, those things we're going to be talking about. But um, again, we want to we want to put it in the perspective of the black church. What what particularly? This, this is the question I'm asking. Uh, how will it? How will this election, presidential election in particular, and um, the uh, the congressional seats, Senate and House? How would this affect? The black church over the next four years. How would the black church deal with this for the next four years, the next two years, regarding house seats? Uh, how will it affect our pulpits? How will it affect outreach ministries? How will it affect the 501c status? And most of all, the biggest question: How will it affect our uh, influence in the community? And so we'll be we'll be talking about that, and we'll be using scripture to uh, as backdrops and support for the discussion. So we want to make sure you hear, uh, particularly uh, if you want to know Psalm one forty six and um, Romans thirteen, and those are particular script passages that we'll be dealing with primarily. But of course, we'll come in, we'll uh, be talking about other scriptures and incorporating them into the discussion. As well, but those are the primary things that we're going to be talking about as we progress on. So we want to hear from you. We want to make sure that you. I want to hear um, how you feel now. President Obama has been reelected. How do you feel? Um, were you afraid? Do you buy into the doom and gloom that was predicted by uh, some, or do you buy into the hope and um, whatever? Else? I can't think of hope and change uh, that. May be afforded to President Obama now over the next four years. So we we talk about that a little bit more as we get into the show. Uh, this is a special uh, roundup election results show, um, election in the Black Church. One from you. Uh, so we we're, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll come back right after this.
How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen, who needs to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday, and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six-figure income, and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit Incomeathome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. Thrilling 1080p HD movie. My beef isn't with you, Lewis. Sensational effects like selective color in HD movie and stills and amazing photo quality that packs a Nikon punch. Okay, guys. You're a natural. The Nikon D5100, a DSLR so versatile, we shot this whole commercial with it. The compact D5100. And check out the waterproof, freeze-proof, shock-proof Coolpix AW100. Wow, it's really coming together. Yep. This way, everyone will know about all our great discounts. Safe driver, online, homeowners, more discounts than ever before. And they still get great service. Woo! Oh, yeah. Is it just me or is it getting funky in here? Get your groove on, y'all. Get your little blood side. I'd tell him the sign's not finished, but it would just break his funky little heart. More discounts, more ways to save. Now that's progressive. Call or click today. push muddy water around. Swiffer WetJet's new upgraded solution helps prevent streaks and residue to reveal more shine than a mop or your money back. It was just gigantic. It was humongous. Enormous, huge bill. That's actually when we switched to Vonage. The service is great. I don't see any difference with the call quality. More, I can just pick up the phone, call As it. many family members as I want. Ugh, why did I not do this earlier? I'm Laura Pruden, and this was my last bill before I switched to Vonage. Time is running out to get Vonage World for just $14.99 a month with unlimited domestic and international calls. Go to Vonage.com or call now. Hey friends, if you're in the Jackson, Mississippi area, I would like to take the time to invite you to join myself and the New Bethel AME Church family for a wonderful series of home group studies that we are engaging. Studies include topics such as asking God your hardest questions. Other topics will be discovering every man's battle dealing with sexuality and sexual sins for men. So there's so many other things that we're involved in. And I'd like to take the time just to invite you to come out to New Bethel AME Church in 2202 Decatur Street, Jackson, Mississippi, and join us for these and many other wonderful classes 
and opportunities just to share in God's Word. Um, always welcome to come, and we'd love to have you there. As New Bethel, come on out and share a time of fellowship and study and insight with us. Thank you. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're glad that you're joining us day after Election Day. And again, I want to commend and send our congratulations to President Barack Hussein Obama, who was re-elected and overwhelmingly re-elected uh, um, as uh, Florida still is counted. But uh, a large amount of electoral vote, college vote went to him. And... Gotta say, you know, you want to be hopeful. You want, you really want to be hopeful that that uh, God's will is being done. You want to be, uh, be and, and I'm I'm, I'm going to take a first um, reference right here. You know, I I, I was very disheartened uh, by both sides of the Christian uh, field, uh, in the sense that you had the evangelicals uh, largely, uh, you know, conservative Republican like myself. Um, pushing for um, pushing against certain social issues uh, in ways that damaged the, their 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 run. They had good intents, but again, it was the rhetoric that was presented uh, by those that came across very offensive in some ways. Even though uh, the intent was was well, and but it was again the way it came across in the media didn't you know media didn't do much to assist them, <laughs> you know. And and then to the other side with my uh, brothers and sisters who are who were adamant supporters of uh President Obama despite positions that they overwhelmingly disagree with and they well, you know, we know what those issues are, but we'll talk about that later on. But the contention in this election was absolutely uh, terrible. I mean, it was it it's gotten to the point, and it, it will continue for some time because uh, what what we're gonna have is uh, the divisiveness between the church uh, and between the races, between social classes, as, as some would care to uh, uh, describe them. Well, you're gonna continue to see that division. You're gonna continue to see that divisiveness, and. Uh, the question is how do how do we uh, how will we address that in the next upcoming in the upcoming four years, and how will how will uh, the black church in particular fare during uh, a second term? Now, mind you, here's for you people who uh, were supporters of Romney. Here's the good news: this is Obama's last campaign. He, you know, he's a lame duck president. He he's a lame duck president. So uh, you can be happy for that. You don't have to deal with him uh, after 2016 uh, like you didn't want to deal with Clinton. (laughs) Speaking of Clinton, you know, here's, here's, here's the thing about American politics that I really admire. Clinton left 
the office of presidential uh, president in a shameful manner. I mean, he left sh- disgraced. He was impeached by the House. He was uh, saved by the Senate from full impeachment. He left disgraceful. He was not able, uh, because he was impeached, he was no longer eligible to receive all the benefits uh, of the other presidents. But in, in in just 10 years' time, I mean, he was, tra- and matter of fact, in less than 10 years' time, he was transformed, I mean, basically reinvigorated and reinvented. And he is now, you know, perhaps the most revered politician, modern politician other than Ronald Reagan. He is the most revered politician today. He's certainly the most revered politician uh, in, a, in the political world alive today. Certainly, certainly. More influential than any other. I mean, he's more influential than Tony Blair, uh, the English prime minister. He's more influential than just about any any living uh, any living person. Now, I'm not praising him. I'm just stating that as fact. Uh, uh, that's one cool dude. Obama is one cool dude too. You got you got to give it to him. one cool dude, one cool dude. Now I I didn't agree with most of either of their policies, but hey, you know, you can't beat the charisma and you cannot beat uh, what's the word? Their swagger. <laughs> but anyway, I, I digress. But I, I said I had to say that you know the political climate uh, in in the world is really really really. The thing that needs to be focused on, that needs to be uh, uh, to dealt with, and it is the uh, the church's uh, it is the church's ability to do that. We have the means of sovereign uh, uh, of uh, making uh, the political climate in America sobering. We have the authority by Christ. We have the empowerment by God through the Holy Spirit to more than just influence people to go out to the polls and vote, but to actual, actually change the political climate, the tension, by doing one simple thing, operating in love, walking in love. Walking, if, we, if we walk in love, even though we disagree, what we'll find is that God will be pleased. First, yeah, first and foremost, God will be pleased. And second, secondly, we'll get a, uh, we'll uh, be able to influence the politicians because they listen to us. They listen to the church, especially the black church. They listen to the black church because they know the value of the black vote. Um, and and uh, as the Hispanic church becomes more influential, influential evangelical Christianity. They're going to be doing the same thing. They're going to be pandering the same way to the uh, Hispanic church. They're, they're not um, not neglect not knocking those you know multicultural churches, multi the ethnically diverse churches. That's good and fine, but but uh, you know reality is the reality is they understand that uh, the culture war, if there's to be one to be maintained. And to be fought, it is it will be done by the latter those latter groups, the uh, Hispanics and African Americans, largely because we are still primarily the only two cultural groups that are still uh, largely co- traditional and conservative socially. We uh, we're, we're not as conservative as we used to do, be politically, but but socially uh, we are still rather conservative. And on those social issues, so they know what the, the social issues uh, 
are the key issues. I, I have some tweets I want to read um, that, that were from um, black church leaders yesterday um, after election, during the election. Uh, if I can pull it up real quick. But oh, yesterday also, uh, I read that um, one 99-year-old lady, God bless her heart, voted for the first time in her life yesterday. And, of course, she cast her vote for uh, President Obama. And, you know, I, I guess that's a wonderful thing. It's, I, I'm not, I am not... Um, by any means, I'm actually rather upset. I find it rather upset that um, upsetting that in 99 years, this is her first opportunity to vote. Um, why do I say that? I say that largely because uh, you know that says that she was around before and during the civil rights movement, and either she did not have the passion to uh to vote or she had no full concern about voting God, I, uh, and i'm i'm not saying that to be mean i'm not saying that to to be rude or and if it comes across that way i'm i'm, I'm apologizing in advance but i i i think it an injustice such an injustice that at 99 years of age and having come of age during Jim Crow and civil rights, that she never cast a vote when she had when she was afforded the opportunity to do so, and that those who who were around her allowed that to happen. That's I find that a great injustice. There's no justification for that, none whatsoever. So. Um, that, there's just no way to do that. So, so, so I asked the question before I went to before we went to uh, to the break. I, I asked the question, and, and the question was, how how will the black church deal with the next four years? How will it affect our pulpits? How will it affect our outreach ministries? How will it affect our five hundred one c status? How will it affect our sphere of influence within the community? And uh, so let me give you some quick statistics here, uh, demographics about the, the voters um, before I get into that. Yeah, um, I'm saying um too much. 80% of evangelical Christians voted for Romney, and evangelical includes uh, those of us who are non-Catholic, basically. Non, uh, Non-Anglican communion, non-Catholic, that's, you know, basic, basically... All uh, all the other folks, evangelical Christians, eighty percent of them, ninety six percent, and this is no surprise, no surprise, ninety six percent of the African American vote went for Barack Obama, fifty six percent of the eighteen year old to twenty six year old voted for Obama, fifty five percent of single women voted for Obama, and forty seven percent of Hispanics voted for Obama. Why is this information critical? Again, it goes back to social issues. These social issues that uh, uh, evangelical Christians fought so hard against uh, were the heart and soul of the platform for the Democratic Party as well as Barack Obama. 
and it 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 rang within the these groups, these particular demographics, especially uh, you know the rhetoric of the war on women registered with single women. Uh, and you had the lady out there who was saying that she couldn't afford contraception, <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> the government should be responsible for for that. Uh, and um, I, I, you think about the uh, the the younger generation, this eighteen to twenty six, uh, they are more tolerant. I mean, they're highly tolerant. Uh, they grew up in a multi uh, highly diverse uh, culture, highly diverse uh, atmosphere, um, and, and so they are more aware of the diversity than my age. You know, those of me in my age group. And I'm gonna be honest with you, it, it, you know, um, black because I've, I've been in a predominantly black environment all of my life, all of my life from from elementary, junior high, high school, college, church, predominantly African American. Um, it 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 it, it uh, learning to adjust to uh, diversity, has, of course, was challenging. So. So that that that's that is just, just those demographics are are interesting in and of themselves. So let the reason I I bring up these questions that I that I presented before you, largely because um, when it came down to the social issues, uh, what we heard from black preachers, largely black preachers, in particular when it came to Obama's um um. What what's the word I'm looking for? When it came to Obama's approval or his statement that he uh, he agrees with same-sex marriage endorsement of in in so many words. Well, when he, when Obama said that, he used the scripture that we should do you know the golden rule: do unto others as you would have them do unto to you. And in doing so, he placed a spiritual context on a social issue. And the black church, black preachers who were supporters of Obama, uh, it, it threw them for a loop because now they 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 lost their footing because they, you know, they were, they had to find a way to be true to scripture and still endorse Obama, and a lot of them uh, still have not done that, and it, it's 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 hard to do, and it, it gave rise to a, a great gave rise to a lot. But also, what we have found is uh, what what um what we did what we did find is that um that there there are a lot of persons who were uh, who were undecided because of that issue who still in hope and and faith cast their vote for President Obama, and in doing so, you know they're 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 seeking that. Do what he wants to do or hopes to accomplish in the coming year. Carl, I, I see you uh, in queue. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to let you uh, share your thoughts on the air. So we're going to come back. We'll be right back after these messages.
Good morning, freedom. Hello, adventure. Today is yours. To find your can-do spirit, your will-do strength, to chart new paths and rediscover old ones. Capability has found its versatility, making all days and all terrains equal. Go ahead. Raise your hands. Lower your foot. Make pursuit of the unexpected unrelenting. Today is yours to go find your power. And where you'll find it is within. Suits today aren't like suits from yesterday. Part of it is the cut of today's suit. Short jacket, narrow lapel, moderate fit. But part of it is the cut of the man himself. Because today, it's not so much the brand of suit that defines the man as it is the brand of man who wears it. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee you. It was just gigantic. It was humongous. Enormous, huge build. That's actually when we switched to Vonage. The service is great. I don't see any difference with the call quality. More, I can just pick up the phone and call. As many family members as I want. Ugh, why did I not do this earlier? I'm Laura Pruden, and this was my last bill before I switched to Vonage. Time is running out to get Vonage World for just $14.99 a month with unlimited domestic and international calls. Go to Vonage.com or call now. Again, welcome to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're talking post-election results. The black church, uh, how will this new election, how will this new term, the second term for President Obama, the black uh, first uh, elected black president, uh, how will this affect the black church? Or how will it affect the pulpits? How will it affect outreach? How will it affect ministry? How would it affect uh, uh, nonprofit status? All of those things we're going to be talking about later. We want to, again, refer you to the scripture that we, we, we're going to get to as soon as we can. Uh, Romans 13 and Psalm 146. These are critical things that I think uh, must be discussed uh, when we're talking about the, uh, our relationship with that. Um, we do have a caller, and we want to get to the caller. And as soon as we uh, finish the caller, I want to read some tweets by some uh, some. Um, leading black church uh, 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 personalities um, such as uh, Jamal Bryant, um, Donald Pat, Bishop Donald Hilliard, uh, Bishop Vashti McKenzie, and um, uh, Donnie McClurkin, uh, Pastor Otis Moss out of Chicago. Uh, we're we're going to get to those and um, talk about that and see their perspective of how uh direction the church needs to go now. So 
Uh, we'll get to that. But first, we want to uh, take the caller and caller. We want to say good morning to you. Thank you for calling Zero Today. Share with you. Share with us what's on your mind. Well, man, I like how the election turned out. Most part, that Obama won. I mean, I'm a single parent, so I guess he helps us out. He didn't help us out a lot. That's all I got to say about that. As far as the church, most churches where I'm from, you it's acceptance to uh, what Obama is about. Gay marriages, I mean, I heard some preachers was like, that's, um, that's for that person and God to deal with. Obama was only doing his job. Okay. So what... Uh, if I understand you correctly, you're saying basically the churches in your area, or, or uh, not the churches, but the pastors in your area, are basically supporting uh, President Obama. Um, uh, how do you think they're interpreting this in, in light of scripture? And, uh, I mean, they like. I mean, you're okay, a lay, they agree you're a with him in the scripture. He went back to do unto others as you want them to do unto you. I mean, you can't cast stones when you have things in your own closet uh, that need to be cleaned. I mean, it don't have to be but as that far as that, 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 that doesn't that doesn't apply to to that. I mean, that the way he applied that scripture is contextually, you know, for preachers who should know how yes. you know it, it didn't apply. So you know that nullified the argument. For 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 those of us who are, who understand the context in which Jesus presented those words, it nullifies the argument because that's not that that's presenting an argument of tolerance, and that's not what he was doing. But I, I understand what you're saying. But uh, so, what do you see? How do you see the black church now um, in your area? You're saying that in my area, the, if, I think it's getting stronger as far as. Um, as far as reaching out into the community, we are more stronger now because we're reaching out to the community. We have more food pantries. We have more clothes drives and things of that nature. And, and we really are helping to get up out the slump in which we were, the la- not the last eight years, before, the eight years before Obama got in office. Let me, let me ask you this question, and, and please understand, I, I'm not trying to I, – I hate – I'm about to – the words I'm about to use, I really, really don't want to use. But uh, how do you feel if your pastor were approached by a, a same-sex couple and asked for them, him to marry, marry them? How would you well, feel? And, and again, I, I use that word "feel" very loosely. Uh, I, I try not to. Uh, y'all hear my dog on the show? He wants to make a comment too. <laughs> <laughs> It's always fun having you in the studio. Okay. What I got to say about that, how I feel about that is that I know gay, gay, I mean, they say that same-sex marriage is an abomination, and I believe that. And, I mean, as far as him performing the uh, thing, as him performing the ceremony, I still think it's up to him if he wants to perform it. And, I mean, how I feel about it, uh, him and his preaching wouldn't change. Uh, did, but it's up to him and how he would feel. And I don't really think he would perform something like that. And, and okay, and, and I I can't, but uh, you know, being a Methodist, we in our discipline, we are expressly forbidden to do so, and that's not going to change any anytime soon. So, uh, you know, in 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 our in our in our faith community, if one of our ministers were to 
accept such a charge, they would be, you know, they would they would lose their credentials. They risk that. They risk that. They risk that um, loss of their credentials as as well as possible expulsion from the church. Not saying that that would happen, but that that is that is the case uh, according to our our church law. All right. Uh, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate your thoughts. And I appreciate you sharing. And, and, you know, and that that isn't much different. Your sentiments, I, I, I and again, I'm stretching out here. I'm, you know, really, really taking leaps of uh, inference by saying that your sentiments are likely uh, close to uh, those of others. So we'll have to wait and see. All right. Well, Carla, I thank you for 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 going. Do you have anything else you want to, want to share before? Oh yeah, I wanted to tell you. You talked about the ninety-nine-year-old woman. Well, uh-huh. take take this in perspective. This woman was in. Did you talk about the woman that was in the line to vote and went into full-blown labor? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I shared that uh, with my poll workers yesterday. I I, I didn't know. Uh, I I thought it was wonderful. I, I really did. But you know, me being a man, I laughed first. <laughs> I I didn't laugh. I. Didn't laugh because it was comical, but you know, I, I, being that I was working the polls, and uh, you know, I, I got to laugh out of it because I'm like, okay, I was wondering what those poll workers <laughs> were experiencing. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Are you still there? Yeah, I, I was. I was just putting myself in the place of those poll workers, <laughs> and uh, it was my responsibility at, at the, my precinct where I was working to, you know, keep order and and make sure things went well, flowed steady, and, and I, I imagine had I had someone. Now we had several ladies who were uh, far and late, you know, far uh, in 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 pregnancy, far along with pregnancies, and after I read that story, I was like, oh my God, what would I have done? <laughs> If that were happening, but I applaud her. I, I really do. You have to applaud her for taking the initiative to bypass the hospital to uh, to cast her vote. And, and me, I would have simply uh, gone early. I would have done an absentee vote, uh, voted early. That's you know, I would have recommended that I uh, say, look, baby, you need to be in the hospital. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not a woman. I've never had a baby. I've never been in labor. Never had contractions. So hey, <laughs> what I think really doesn't matter. What I would have done really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think I would have done the same because of the fact that it was important to vote, and like she wanted to make sure that the right man got in office. Yeah. Well. Uh, some people will question that. <laughs> All right, yeah, some people will. Uh, I appreciate that. Appreciate you coming in, and uh, thank you for bringing the light. Uh, young lady in Chicago, as a matter of fact, it was in Chicago who went to labor and was determined to cast her vote, exercise her freedom. And uh, but you know what? I didn't. I, I still don't know if she had the baby there at the precinct or did she make it to the hospital? No, she, went to the, she made it to the hospital. Oh, okay. Good. Glad. Uh, glad. Because I I didn't know that part. But hey, that's that's wonderful. All right. Thank you, caller. Appreciate you. You're uh, welcome. Anytime. All right. Now let let me um let me say what here. Get into this. Um, when, when we're talking about the black church, the black church is. Is it's not a cohesive group as I'm making it out to be. I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm almost over categorizing 
by saying, you know, as if we have, uh, there is a general consensus within the black church. And, and of course, there is not because within the black church, there's a diversity, just like as, as, as in the body of Christ, there's a diversity of gifts, there's a diversity of operations, there's a diversity of opinions. But largely, regarding social issues, uh, the black church uh, is usually cohesive on, on social issues and in regard to the overwhelming support of President Obama until his stance of until his endorsement of same sex marriage, there was an overwhelming majority of black church leaders supporting him. Let me read you some of the tweets from uh, uh some of the black church leaders. Here's what Oz Moss tweeted um yesterday. All right, he said it's finished it is finished, but it's not over. Let's get out let's get to work. Children in poverty, urban centers need rebuilding fair tax policy, women under attack. And then later on he he, uh, he tweeted, we need to protect the elderly, make sure we have a fair Supreme Court. Don't forget, don't celebrate the moment and forget about the movement. Now that's, uh, I, I got me and my brother there. Uh, now if you're not aware of who Otis Moss III is, Otis Moss III is the son of Otis Moss Jr. out of Ohio, who's a, a well-known and highly respected civil rights leader. Um, and a great preacher, one of one of the great preachers. And Otis Moss, his son, wonderful pastor, he uh, took the pulpit of the Trinity Church of Christ, where the form where Reverend Jeremiah Wright was the former pastor there after retiring. Uh, matter of fact, matter of factly, uh, Jeremiah Wright handpicked uh, Pastor Moss the third to to uh, succeed him. And, and you know you have to commend the brother. He has been standing out on social issues. And when President Obama made the comment, uh, made his endorsement of same-sex uh, uh, a marriage, I have to say uh, one thing I, I I did appreciate is that he put it within context scripture, but at the same time, you know, while while he put. Uh, the scripture most people were referencing in context, he did not condemn. And, well, I, I can't say whether he condemned or not, but uh, he didn't. He didn't outright uh, endorse President Obama. He didn't didn't say whether he uh, supported him or didn't support him. But it was probably obvious now because Church of Christ, uh, Churches of Christ, uh, uh, Universal Church of Christ, uh, are, are usually left leaning. So uh, it might be clear where he stood, but but uh, the tweet here is, is, is again is about the social issues. You, you see, the elderly protecting the elderly, um, Supreme Court, and when he says Supreme Court, um, also you got to deal with the injustice in the prison system, especially my home state, Louisiana, which is the prison capital of the world. And you know the injustice of the prison system. Speak. Oh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm gonna throw this out, and I, I, I got excited. I'm not a weed head, but just so you know, Colorado became the first state last night to legalize recreational use of marijuana. So you know, you, you, those of you who like <laughs> like doing so recreationally, go to Colorado. I, I, I just threw that out. I just threw that out. Y'all, y'all forgive me for that. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the black church. Plenty of black folk who attend. Plenty of folk who attend black churches. 
get their smoke going. Now, if they, that sounds like an endorsement, no, I, I, it is not. So don't be saying Pastor Neil said y'all can go smoke weed and marijuana and all that stuff in, in Colorado since it's legal or not. Pastor Neil did not say that, okay? Pastor, not, Pastor Neil is not in endorsing that at all. Anyway, so let's get back to so tweets. So, again, it goes to social issues. Uh, poverty. And dealing with particularly with black children, uh, we still have the highest. And and I don't think black people got this message. Uh, the conservatives didn't get this message across. The black conservatives, we didn't do a good job of getting this message across to the people. Um, Cornell West and um, Tavis Miley attempted to do this, but the the poverty. Um, the situational poverty for African Americans has increased over the last four years under Obama. There's no, I mean, that's just fact. That's not opinion. That's just reality. Uh, black unemployment has increased. Thank God it has decreased slightly. It's gone down to 14%. It was 16% for almost two and a half years. So those numbers are, are falling, but the poverty gap, situational poverty, Temporary poverty is is, uh, is is still hitting the mark, and I, I I think that message did not get out enough to have uh, you know to win over those blacks who were undecided regarding President. Again, it's a social issue. Urban centers, by urban centers, he's talking about the urban communities. He's not talking about rec centers, community centers. Literally, uh, and I, I pastor in, in, in I pastor in the hood. I live in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> and when you you know it is always said you cross the track you know it's like going into uh, uh, another world because the black put it this way wherever Martin Luther King Street is you know you're in the hood because you ain't gonna find Martin Luther King on the good side of town it might run through it but it ain't gonna be all the way you know I, I'm just saying y'all disagree or not but that's usually how it is. So again, Pastor Moss addresses the uh, social issues. Let's look what uh, Pastor uh, Bishop uh, Bishop uh, Donner Hilliard said. The best is yet to come forward, Mr. President. God bless your life, uh, Jamal Bryant. Uh, listen what he tweeted. He said, "We must intensify our prayers for Barack Obama, to whom much is given, much is." Required now. This is interesting because let's let's put this context within scripture. To whom much is given, much is required. Of course, Christ said that in regards to discipleship and servants by saying that um, those who serve must first be servants. But let's look at it in uh, the context of writing uh, New Testament writing under Paul in Romans thirteen. And when you look at the contextual writing of Paul in Romans 13, what you find is that Paul is of the belief that government is beneficial because government is uh, established, ordained, and maintained by God. If you go by that perspective, then you understand uh, why uh, Pastor Brian is, is, is putting forth this mandate. Pray for him because now there's a lot more, and we're not talking about just uh, uh, the political climate that may affect his ability to govern. Uh, we're talking about if we believe, as Scripture says, that verse uh, thirteen that we are to obey government, that we are to be subject to government. Uh, 
uh, because government and governmental officials ordained by God. Of course, within the context of the scripture, uh, Paul had no idea that the government that would be a government of the United States of America. He was, you know, writing within the constraints of his uh, understanding of government, the Roman Empire. That's the government that was there. It was an oppressive government. And some would consider the U.S. government to be an oppressive government, and some would consider it was prior to the civil rights an oppressive government. The Roman Empire was an oppressive government, and within the constraints of their, that government, Paul was saying that we are still to be subject to the leadership of that government because that government was ordained by God and it goes on to say that they are actually ministers of the will of God in the capacity that if we are following the God's uh, we're following the command of God walking henceforth in his holy ways what we will see is that they the government in return in response to that will be aware that we are people who are citizens of the kingdom of God and not citizens alone of the kingdom of earth. Uh, because if you're spiritual, if you, if you, if you, particularly if you're Christian, you understand that uh, that the God of this world to be Satan and the God of this world influences the government of this world, and the government of this world it carries out what it, it does because of the one who is the head of it. Uh, that, but Christ said, Christ prayed in John chapter 17, Christ prayed that we would not be taken out of this world, but that we would remain in this world so that the sphere of our influence by way of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the power of God would be known and understood and feared. So that while the government does its job, we who are people of the kingdom of God would be doing our job and it would cause a balance because, you know, the people, you know, those who are leadership would not want to go against God. I mean, that's the understanding that uh, uh, it should be that way if it is, you know, that that's the way it should be. Um, so and, 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 and I talked about this in my message Sunday. I talked about this in my message Sunday. Um, the the big thing that we have to do, Paul and Paul encourages this in, in Romans thirteen and seven. Said we are to uh, take care of our obligations to government. In other words, we are to pay our taxes. We are to, uh, to do the things. We are to respect and honor the leadership. Uh, those who are in authority of us, we are to respect and honor them. And he also writes in Timothy that we are to pray for them. Uh, in leadership, and which brings it to the point, you know, all these people who are fasting and praying uh, on both sides of the aisle, <laughs> both sides of the aisle, you, you you have to ask, well, whether they they were, you know, what how they feel now? Do they actually believe that this person who was reelected is God's person? Because if you if you were saying that you were fasting and praying for you know for God to move on the election. And the election results turn out counter what you you expected. Then would you then question God's will? I mean, you, you, would you then say, "Well, that's not God; that's the devil"? Because if you're saying that, you can't really be trusting God at all. Uh, so uh, again, 
A good tweet by Jamal Bryant. Whom much is given, much is required. Not required by men, but required by him as an officer and official ordained of God to carry out government for the people of God. And again, you got to understand, within the context of the scripture in Romans 13, there was no United States of America. So, uh, and I, I, I cannot say whether Paul was writing prophetically or not, but when you read within the context, he's writing within the context of service. And going back to Romans chapter 12, when he talks about the gifts, all for service and uh, not being high-minded and having a measure of faith, all for service and not for oneself. And, and you know, I, I'm just throwing it out there. So, that, that's a big obligation for, for uh, Obama, if we believe that Obama was Set in place by by God. Let me read a tweet by uh, from uh, Miles Monroe, and Miles Monroe is a, a pastor out of um, the Bahamas. Uh, he, uh, I can't think of his name, the name of his church, but he's a wonderful, uh, renowned author, uh, pastor, teacher. Uh, you name it, that man, he, he does it. He's written on leadership. He's written on spirituality, the Holy Spirit. Uh, but he writes that, uh, he said, leadership determines everything. You cannot rise above the level of leadership you submit to. Mr. Obama has been given another term, and it is our prayer that his convictions and belief system would be more in line with biblical principles. Now, this is Dr. Miles Monroe. Uh as far as I know, he's not a citizen of the United States. He's a Bahamas, a citizen of Bahamas, you know. But he's here in the states frequently, very, very uh, frequently. And, and again, listen what he says: that you cannot rise above the level of leadership you submit to. So the the auction of submission for President Obama is to submit to the will of God. That does not make him a Muslim. Because <laughs> Islam means submission to the will of God And if that's the case We're all Muslims Because we all should be submitting to the will of God But <laughs> I know I'm going to get killed for that No But um, um, Now And again He says uh, That You don't go about and, and Jesus Christ said the same thing You know A servant is no greater than his master Uh the master, the servant must show himself you know, worthy of leadership. Uh, why? Because he said the first become last, the last become first. That in, and it invokes uh, a sense of humility in service and not being served. And he uh, uses the parable. Uh said, does a, does a person who is having a dinner just walk up to the head table, uh, you know, to the head place in the table without being invited to it? And, and, and again, you have to think about. Uh, let's put this also within the context of James chapter four, where there was a lot of, how can I put it? You know, cronyism. Cronyism. You know, the the more respected people were invited to sit in certain places, and the the uh, more uh, ab abhorrent were. Expected to sit or a place another place, you know, discrepancy there, that gap there. We're we're finding that here social again. I'm sticking to these social issues because uh, those are the most divisive regarding. That's those are the most divisive regarding the nation social issues. 
it's not so much political is is where do we where do we fit in as the church particularly the black church who have always been driven by these uh fundamental tradition, traditional values that have been always hijacked from us um uh, you know the social you know uh, for example, you know, I, the biggest thing that upset me, offended me about Hillary Clinton is when she wrote the book, uh, It Takes a Village. And I, it was just lauded as a, a phenomenal, and I read it, uh, and uh, you know, but here, you know, she, she attributes where the, the phrase comes from. But see, that was more than a phrase. It was an actuality in the black community, it was a bit. Matter of factly, uh, it, it it's still kind of like that. Uh, not it's loose. It's a, little, a lot less looser. But uh, for example, my when I was growing up, you know, the entire street that I lived on had a hand and whooping my behind. Literally, every adult on there, if they saw we were doing something, they had the authority to whoop our behind. Then tell my grandparents. Who would in turn whoop out behind? Matter of fact, that was not just on the street, but that was within the whole that whole block. You know, that was within the whole block. And um, I'm going I'm going home tomorrow to bury one of my most beloved and cherished neighbors, who uh, who supported me as a child. Said I was going to be preaching when I was six years old. Prophecy came true, and and every time I preached when I was a little boy, everywhere she was there. And her daughter asked me, she, she was 98 years old, and she passed away last week, 98 years of age. Her daughter asked me to uh, perform, to, to give the eulogy. You're talking about honored, honored, you know, because she said, because that's all Mama talked, my dear always talked about you. She just, she, I didn't know what your relationship was to her, but she talked to you, she talked about you like you were her son, grandson, and and. I know she would have wanted that. I, you talking about somebody who's I, I was blown away. That that's the kind of thing that is lacking. And 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 like I said in uh, my sermon Sunday, here's how government should be set up. Government begins with God. Government begins with God. And the black church stood. And again, I'm using this black church in 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 a consolidated sense because when I think of the black church. I think of it within the confines of the social movements, social justice movements, civil rights movements, the uh, the um, abolitionist movements of the 19th century, and all of those things. The, the black church was the driving force for social change. It was not the politicians. It was the black church, the pastors of the black church. The members of the laity of the black church that provoked the politicians to bring order into the affairs of this country. So, but it began first with the individual knowing about Christ, knowing about God, knowing the other order of God. All things were formed by God. All things come of the Lord. Uh, and of thine own, we give back to him. Community. Uh, if government begins first with the individual, or begins first with God, secondly with the individual, the individual having a relationship in some capacity to God, either directly or indirectly. And I say that because you got to understand, everybody ain't, ain't going to know God. And, uh, you know, grandma 
knew God and prayed for the family. You know, grandma prayed for most of her kids, and, and the kids got saved because you know, when I got saved, not necessarily to the church, but from the dangers of the peril of this world because grandma prayed or mama prayed. Uh, so connecting to God in that capacity, uh, either directly or indirectly, that that connection first with God, second with the individual, the individual understanding their their connection with each other as Christ commanded, where he said that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is the second and great commandment. Uh, that is the uh, second commandment, just like the first one, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Uh, the connection between the individual leads to the connection of the community. And the community, the community is what makes government. God, individual, community, that what makes government. And, and political systems articulate how government should perform and how government should function. But it always, particularly in the black community has always fallen back to the black church and the leadership thereof. If the black preachers stood for something, the black community followed in step. And we're lacking that today. We don't have preachers with backbones. You can say what you want to, but we don't. We don't have preachers. Now, we have preachers, for example, you know, who like to get the limelight on social issues, for like with, with Trevon Martin. And no offense to Jesse Jackson or uh, uh, Al Sharpton, they have they have done their contribution to make the world better, make society better. Uh, something is not as positive as it could be. Something is worth you know just overwhelmingly positive. But again, that's perspective. But uh, again, when you're talking about things like that, you're you. you when you when you're doing instigating instead of uh, initializing, which is what is needed in the black community, you're talking about social justice or injustice, and you think about the incarceration rates of black men. You think about, for example, since Colorado has legalized recreational use of marijuana in the state, uh, think about the thousands of young black men whose lives have been ruined because of a conviction for possession with intent to distribute of, you know, small, 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 you know, things of, of marijuana. And more more recently, two young black football players from uh, the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, were busted for uh, for drugs. Their careers, you know, they got kicked off the football field, uh, football team. Uh, they are pending conviction. Once they get the conviction, that's a felony, which means that their chances of uh, receiving uh, quality employment has greatly decreased. Their chance of receiving quality education has greatly decreased. Um, that is on their record. And when they go anywhere, it is almost like a scarlet letter upon them. And it, uh, it almost says, it basically nullifies their potential in America. That's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. So you have to, you have to when, 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 when we see a God who is a God of the oppressed, who is a God of justice, and, and, and Psalm 40, 146 
talks about that. Psalm 146 talks about God being the God of justice. Um, he is the God of the oppressed. Uh, they said, what, what is that? Um, he opens the eyes of the blind. Uh, he, uh, he, oh my goodness, I'm losing it. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I, I, I just put it. He, he, he raised them that are bowed down. He loves the righteous. He preserves the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widows. The way of the wicked, he turns upside down. That's the God of the oppressed. And when we're talking about a God of government being uh, being ordained about from God, as Paul writes in, in, in Romans 13, then we have to understand that the God who ordains God is not a God of injustice of any kind. The God of justice did what needed to be done so that we would not receive the justice that we deserve because of our sin and our sin nature. What we deserve, we do not get. And if we did get it, 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 it the will, uh, if we did get it, well, most of us would be alive. <laughs> uh, one of the person uh, and, uh, in, in the chat room wrote, it's, it, he just put this in. It's God who appointed Obama for another time. It was not the works of men. The will of God will be done whether Obama submits or not. And um, that's the interesting thing uh, that we all should be aware of. The order of man, uh, the affairs of man, if we believe it to be so, are governed by God, ordained by God. And if submission is done to God, we'll, we'll find it, uh, a government that is righteous and one that um, will... Uh, uh, accomplish God's will on earth, and you know, for all these people praying, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you can't complain now if you don't see what you think should be happening on earth, <laughs> because you ask for God's will to be done on earth, not yours. All right, I know I'm doing a lot of talking. Y'all see how excited I'm getting about all this? I'm gonna take a quick break. And on the other side of the break, we're going to close out. I'm happy. Huh? This is a special edition of Zero of the Day. Again, if you want to get your thoughts on the air, 347-237-5230, talking about a black church and post-election. Uh, how will it affect us? And uh, what will it do? We'll, we'll know. Hey, only God knows. We'll, uh, um, uh, let, me, let me hush for a bit. Be right back after this. Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just—I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com—they have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce transactions, all that stuff. They got it right. 
And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go through that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. Today, we stand against the tyranny of single-mile credit cards. That'll speech, right? <laughs> May I? For too long, people have settled for single miles. With the Capital One Venture Card, you'll earn double miles on every purchase every day. Hawaii, here we come. So sign up today for a venture card at CapitalOne.com. And start earning double. What's in your wallet? Can you play games on that? Not on the runway. I wasn't born to push papers. I was born to push myself. To go where I'm needed. To keep this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. GoCoastGuard.com All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. 
We're glad that you join in on the show. Man, and this is special uh, post-election results. The black church and the election, uh, the results of the election. How will it affect the police? How will it affect the ministers? How will it affect our outreach? How will it affect everything about us, uh, the black church in particular? Uh, and I, I say that in, in respect to uh, social issues that were the driving uh, proponent, driving element for uh, Obama's win. Uh, and Romney's loss, a lot of conservatives uh, lost uh, because of the social issues and the way they were presented, uh, the way they articulated. Some, you know, the, the underlying overtones, the overtones and underlying tones that uh, came across to those who were, uh, you know, affected by those issues. Got a story here I want to share with you real quick. Um uh, about churches in Virginia um, losing. Oh, well, let me let me put it up right. Um, uh, the IRS saying that some churches in some black churches in Virginia violated their 501c3 tax uh, law, uh, their tax code, their tax exemption, by encouraging members to vote for Obama. That says a lot. Listen to the story. Uh, it says that one day before the 2012 election, uh, many as 100,000 pro-Obama brochures were handed out by 50 black churches to their congregations in Virginia. Federal tax law prohibits any organization, such as a church, from maintaining its 501, uh, uh, OC3, 501c3 status if it engages in political activities. And the government, the IRS, has stated and it placed on its website the proof that this uh, these churches, in particular one church, violated its uh, its tax exempt status, and as such is subject to have it revoked. Now that says quite a bit, and I'm gonna tell you why it says quite a bit. Because as a pastor, and I've been in ministry over 20 years, and I've seen it happen in, in churches I was a member of, and churches I pastor where the politicians would come, primarily, uh, primarily Democrats. They come, they get in the pulpit, they sit, in the, uh, they speak from the pulpit, not the podium, but from the pulpit in a lot of churches, and they were, you know, they were can, you know, campaigning from the pulpit, and the, 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 you know, it was never, never said anything, never, nothing. It was never an issue until recently, with, it, of course, with Obama. Uh, that was the primary issue, but um, here you have a church uh, or a group of churches that are likely to have their tax exempt status revoked. What does that mean for members? That means that the donations that they, the, the tithes, their offerings will be taxed. The our taxes. On the income that they receive, but they're supposed to. I I do. Uh, I have not in the last year and a half uh, because uh, up until a year ago, up until I was moved here to uh, Mississippi, I was working, you know, and my primary income. And I ended as an independent contractor. I was filing 1099. That you know, I was following the procedure, and I didn't do that. And I, you know, I got to pay my taxes. I got to pay what I owe, and and I'll do that. The Lord knows I'll do that. I ain't going to jail. Or <laughs> did I just confess it? But anyway, so it means that they're taxed. The money that they give to the church, every single penny 
the church would then be obligated to pay taxes on that income. So if the church is if the church raises two three hundred thousand dollars, a great chunk of that goes to Uncle Sam. We've had that in luxury, and, and you know, and then that will probably open the door for all the rest of us preachers to get. Uh, I mean, you talking about bringing a hammer down? That will open the door to uh, too much, too much, too much backlash. Uh, you know, uh, the it's like a tsunami that comes in. The damage will go extend beyond the borders, the boundaries of the initial uh, tsunami or the initial earthquake. It's just that, so it's very critical. And then what will it say? What? How will it impact our preachers? Uh, think about it now. If we have been preaching, uh, not necessarily against homosexuality, but if we preach against sin altogether in its totality. Uh, uh, will we be able to continue to do so? You got to understand, the black preacher has been the prophetic voice of the nation as long, I mean, since the days of Richard Allen in 1700s, since the days of uh, Nat Turner, <laughs> uh, who's a preacher, since the days of, um, wow, it could go on and on. The list goes on and on. The black preacher has been the black. Howard Thurman, uh, a man who, who was graced to have the language and be able to reach out and cross the racial barriers and, and create the first multi-ethnic church. But he also spoke prophetically. In, and the people heard this. The black preacher has been the voice of God. And like Isaiah wrote, right, about the Messiah, the suffering Messiah says, and on his government. Government should be on his shoulders, and the black preacher has served as the prophet for the nations regarding the injustices of America. Will we be able to do that as black preachers? Will, you know, will they invade our pulpits and and limit our speech? Now, it wouldn't happen overnight. No, it wouldn't happen overnight. And like those preachers who were, you know, they used their pulpit free, Freedom Sunday and they spoke politically. I don't, I do that all the time. I don't need a specific day to do that. Like when they were trying to tell you to go to Chick-fil-A, uh, I go to Chick-fil-A all the time. I don't need you to tell me to go support them because they uh, have, you know, the, the owner's support. Well, that's redundant. Anyway, but what I'm saying is um, we there, those preachers who disagree with Obama and same-sex marriage particularly, those who disagree with Obama on abortion, if you're not aware, he's – He's already put forth some executive orders uh, that have extended uh, uh, abortion terms as far as as when it can be performed. Those things, those pre those pastors who are opposed to that now must find a voice to stand. You know, they must find the courage to state their opposition without fear. Will they be able to do that? Will lay members be able to do drives? Voter drives without intimidation if they go against what the uh, the party is saying. Will they be able? To, will the black voice? Will the black church have that voice? That prophetic voice? Will it be limited? Will it be destroyed? And I'm not just talking about you know in four years. That's not going to happen in four years. That takes some time. You know, it took uh, uh, it took a long time for us to get the voice. It's not going to take. Uh, 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 it's going to take just as much of time to lose that voice. Uh, although we have begun that process a little quicker, um, it still is it still is there. You know, we still need to have that prophetic voice. But that's the question. 
And, and and the other thing is, what about our leadership in the community? What what's the real thing here? If we believe what Paul writes that we are to be impactful regarding leadership of the community, if we are to be the ones who are to be the head and not the tails, to be above only and not beneath, to be blessed in the field, to be blessed in the storehouse and things of the nature as as the uh the the author of Deuteronomy writes, those blessings should be upon us and overcome us, overtake us, and not the curses. Uh, will we be able to do that? With our fear of empowerment, powering our people, the lay members of our church, the community in which we serve, will that be diminished? We have to question that because you're talking about – you're not just talking about uh, a president. You're talking about a, an entire political agenda. Dr- by an ungodly, uh, 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 now I'm not. Uh, when I say it's not calling anybody demonic or satanic, but again, if we understand that Satan is the god of this world, then we understand that government, although ordained by God, is ruled by Satan. Y'all, if you're following me, and if we believe that to be true, then what will, how will we function in in that knowledge without submitting? To that, to that, uh, you know, to the God of the world. How do we stand prophetically? How will we stand prophetically in spite of it? This goes. This transcends political party. No party, no party can legislate anything for the church. And we are foolish to believe so. We are the ones who are, should be influencing the legislation for the church. In other words, for the church, the black church in particular, are the ones who be should be influencing legislation that is empowering for the church and, and, and enabling the people of the church to go out and do what the kingdom of God empowers says that we should do, make disciples and, and to, you know, do what needs to be to close the sick, close the hungry. I mean, close the naked, feed the hungry, visit. Social issues that plague our our country, plague our communities. We should be empowered as the black church to take them on because we are empowered by the God who is the king of the world. You know, we say he is Lord of lords, king of kings, he Alpha and Omega, all that stuff. Well, if that's the case, then we should see it. We should see it. We should experience it. We should be allowing it. I, I, you know, I, but, hey, that is how it is. I have run out of time. I've exceeded my time. I've had a great time, guys. I appreciate you for allowing me. I appreciate you for joining in. And this has been a wonderful special edition of Zero Today. I know, I, I know I, y'all hate it. I had to cut it short, but we had to go. So, but we appreciate you joining. Tune in next week. We'll have another great episode, another great topic, and uh, we're looking forward to having another wonderful time with you on Zero Today. Peace, blessings, and love.